Hello, and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rappé. He's Chris Stanziel. Chris, this is uh, it's pretty interesting to be doing this podcast a little late. Usually we wake up at the crack of dawn. Yeah, I'm shocked we're doing it now. Why is that? <laughs> well, see, at first I wasn't sure how I was going to feel, but I was inspired by MJ's flu game, and I was sitting there thinking, you know what? I got to I gotta step it up. If MJ can play a full four quarters with the flu, I can hop out. We can record this podcast while I have the flu. Yeah, the biggest 3-0, the 30th episode of State of the Nova Nation audio form. Yeah, and, and I know we, we joke about how we don't prepare at all, but you stepped up big time. We You yeah. know, we talk about how we don't plan for the show. We don't do any of that. I was like, Chris, I don't know if I could go on today. I don't know if I could do this. Chris like, no, don't worry. I got this. Put together the outline. We're testing out this new technology that we don't even need to be in the same room Whoa. to record this podcast. I know. Well, you know, I got to make sure that I am uh, not sick. So, and I want to live. (laughs) Yeah, you can't see it right now, but right now I'm living in an air bubble of just a giant bubble dome dome over my house. Yeah, you're the bubble boy for this episode. (laughs) So we got some good stuff to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna change it up a little bit. Usually we talk about basketball a lot, but yesterday was a pretty big day in the football world. Yeah, it was National Signing Day. I'm sure Don Bosco, your alma mater, sent like 50 guys to D1. <laughs> uh, yeah. This this go around, I don't think they had a lot of guys. I just know they had the quarterback, Tommy DeVito. He was like 118th on the ESPN 300 board, and he committed to Syracuse. So I don't know what's going to be of his future. Maybe Ryan Nassib-esque, but uh, that was the big name for Bosco this year. Not 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 like years previous. Okay. Okay. So no Brian Cushing. Well, he was he was Bergen. But, oh, was uh, no, yeah, he was. No Leonte oh. Caruz, uh, Darius Hamilton, Jerry Wrights with the tweets. Yeah, n- none of those. Those were my years. Those were my guys. <laughs> oh boy. So Coach Ferrani officially had his first signing class ever. I know last year they said that they turned the ball over to him, and even though it was Tally's last year, they really wanted him to start getting his recruits in. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, we don't know if that's one of those things they just say this time around. We can guarantee that this is officially Coach Ferrani's first go. He's got the keys to the car, mm-hmm. and he signed thirteen players yesterday. Yeah, that that seems like an awfully large number, especially for a school of our stature. I don't, I don't know if that usually. I don't know what the average is over the past few years, but I think that this is a little bit more than usual. Don't you? Don't you get the feeling? I, I've noticed that in years past, we usually do around like 10 or 12. So this okay. is kind of within the ballpark, but that's not counting walk-ons and preferred walk-ons. So it could actually okay. be a lot more. Okay. All right. Yeah. You don't really realize how big football recruiting classes are until you really get to the national signing day because you're just so used to basketball. And I know we'll touch on it later. You're just so used to basketball. Like you're, you're like two, two guys is good, but most programs they're, yeah, they're upwards of more than 10. Exactly. I, I guess it makes sense when you have to suit up 60, 70 guys. Yeah, that is true. But yeah, with basketball, you get one recruit, and then your class ranking can just skyrocket up like 20 slots. I know. Crazy. So what are your thoughts on this year's recruiting class? There was two 
recruits that stuck out the most to me. One was uh, quarterback Kyle McCloskey. He's from Germantown Academy. Germantown sounds very familiar. So he's a local guy, a pro-style type quarterback. You don't see a lot of those anymore. He's a three-star prospect. Pass first, but he also has the ability to run. He had FBS offers, actually, in the likes of Buffalo, Ohio, University, Bowling Green, and Toledo. So, I mean, not big-time programs, but, you know, enough that you would think, oh, maybe he would probably go to that over Nova. And he also got offer from the Ivy Leagues. So, I mean, that's pretty cool that he chose Villanova over some of the top educational prospects and some good major football programs as well. Also, there's a rumor going around he can also ball out on the court. So... I mean, hey, if he wants to be a walk-on at the basketball team, double-sport athlete, go for it. <laughs> and then, secondly, running back Damone Drew. He could be a stud. He has that Aaron Forbes type effect. Pick Nova over FBS schools, Appalachian State, who used to be FCS, Syracuse, Temple, Virginia, and Cincinnati. So, again, lots of big-name schools out there recruiting, you know, FCS-level type guys and they're choosing they're choosing Villanova. So it just shows that Coach Ferranti does have some strong persuasion in him to get these guys to come to a top-end FCS school over maybe a lower-end FBS school. Yeah, I feel like that's totally key when you're trying to put together a solid FCS team. You definitely mm-hmm. want those guys who are either overlooked or mm-hmm. the bottom of what would be an FBS school's priority list. Mm-hmm. You know, when you snipe these guys, like when we snipe Aaron Forbes from Vanderbilt, SEC school, or we got Todd Summers of the tight end, and he picked us over Kansas State. Like, yeah. those those types of acquisitions are pretty clutch. One thing on McCloskey, he's actually family friends with Jay Wright. And oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. He does play ball for Germantown. I think he had a big game a couple weeks ago. Josh Verlin from City Basketball Love was tweeting about him. Mm. I think Jay actually half-seriously offered him a spot on the court. Oh, boy. He, he can do it. He can probably do it. I mean, that would be pretty cool. Have we? I don't, I don't think we've ever seen a two-sport athlete at Villanova in, like, forever. I don't, I don't know about ever. <laughs> yeah, usually they get that, that winter season off, so it would be it'd be weird. He'd miss some time for football. Oh, true. Come in maybe, like, two weeks late or <laughs> the basketball court, and then he'll be waving towels around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it could work in his early years because he's probably not going to be playing for at least another two, three years, at least on the football field, so... Hold the clipboard for a few months and then go ball out. And another thing, too, with Damone Drew, Appalachian State, I feel like it was the OG North Dakota. You know, it was that that FCS school that even though they were FCS, if you schedule them, that was like playing with fire. Yeah. I mean, that was obviously demonstrated back in 07 when they beat Michigan. I mean, I don't think anything will ever top that FCS versus FBS wise. That, That was just insane. Never forget where I was when I was watching that game. Another thing with this recruiting class, I think one thing that stuck out to me is I love the linebacking crew that they assembled. Mm-hmm. They got four guys who, honestly, they're going to have to compete hard, but I expect at least one of them to get some big minutes, maybe a starting spot, and then the other guy is like the first you know, first guy off the bench in rotation or get some pretty good minutes. But I'm a big fan of what Villanova did. We had to replace a lot of studs on defense with that have just graduated last year and even this season. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of weird to think that the football season's over, and I was yeah. still still kind of thinking our year, that 2016 was it. Yeah, I know. It, it, it is kind of weird to think about now. We are a whole, a whole year removed from us being there, so now you got to talk about us, talk about yeah. football even more in the past. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about the football season from two years ago. Yeah. But wow. keep an eye out for the names Trajan Anderson, Forrest Ryan, Amin Black, and Josh Patrick. I think one of those guys will probably start or get some really good roles. Definitely special teams, maybe, or even in the defensive rotation. 
I know it's kind of tough to play college football as a freshman unless you're like an absolute stud. So, well, yeah, we'll see how they rotate him in, but special teams might be the best way to break him in. Also, of note, there is a Don Bosco player on Villanova, though. I just remembered it. he's a linebacker. Last name's Malaguti, so he might he might have the the depth chart preference over these guys for now. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, there we go. DBP finding DBP. its way. Always finding its way, and also just as an overall class, no North Jersey boys. It looks like. So I guess it looks like all relatively local, South Jersey and uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I know North Jersey. Wow, I almost said it. Joyzy. Uh, North Jersey is usually a pretty hot, it's a pretty big hot spot. Yeah, especially for the FCS schools who are trying to get the, you know, like the lower end guys. But yeah, this is all, you know, South Jersey. You got one from New York, Delaware. Yeah, it's all it's all the Delco area. My one gripe with this recruiting class is that there was only one offensive lineman, and yeah. he's preferred walk on. I would have liked to see uh, more. I guess because our line is pretty young right now, you don't have to worry too much. Right. But at the same time, I feel like with each recruiting class, you should have at least one of each position filled. Yeah, I agree. And offensive line, you can never have too many bodies there. I mean, you saw it when our senior year, the, the offensive line was depleted to the core. You had literally no one left to play. I think you had a defensive lineman playing tackle at some yeah, point. Yeah, at one point, and then we converted the tight end to a left tackle. Oh, yeah, that too. God, yeah. God, who can remember? Forget that. Jeez. Yeah, so, it, I mean, like you said, it's, the team is – the line is young, so, I mean – I guess you can get away with it, but like if one, the instant that they become injury prone, it might be a problem. So you were telling me before we got on the air, you had an observation about recruiting classes in general. So I want yeah. to bring up for the show what you got. Mm-hmm. All right. So I was just going through either ESPN 150 or 300, depending on whatever year you're looking at. And I was comparing this with basketball. Football, if you look like top 10, top, top 20, top 30 even, there are very, very few names that you can recognize. And if you do recognize them, they did not pan out to their ranking. And by with basketball, I mean, you can go to pretty much any recruiting class. You'll recognize most names. I mean, some of them you'll have like a bust here and there, but you know who they are. So I think prime example of that was the 2009 recruiting class for basketball. Number one was Avery Bradley. Number two was Derek Favors. Three was Xavier Henry. Four was DeMarcus Cousins. And five was John Wall. Anyone who pays attention to the NBA knows that DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall are two of the best players in the NBA. They were fourth and fifth. Xavier Henry was the third overall prospect, and he was an absolute bust. Derek Favors is okay in the NBA right now. He's pretty good, but I don't know about number two. And then Avery Bradley, number one. I mean, he's a great lockdown perimeter defender, but I mean, come on, really? Like, number one? Like, what did you see in that? It's it's just funny to look at. But now, if you go to the football, and the recruiting class I wanted to bring up was 2010. Here's the top 10 for for the 2010 rankings. Ronald Powell, Jackson Jeffcoat, Dominique Easley, Jordan Hicks, Michael Dyer, LaMarcus Joyner, Robert Woods, Cintrell Henderson, Matt Elam, and Jonathan Dowling. I say I only know, I think I know Dominique Easley. Michael Dyer only recognized because of the national champion with Auburn, I think. He played yeah, there for him. That was him. And then Matt Elam. He was the only one who actually panned out, but ninth overall prospect. Really? I mean, he's an okay safety in the NFL, but ninth overall. I mean, and then you could go down the list. I'm scrolling down right now. I'll let you know if I run into anyone I pick up. I am now at 25, Sharif Floyd. That is the next name I recognize. So the point I was trying to make here is, do you think that recruiting 
in both basketball and mainly football, do you think it's overhyped and blown out of proportion? I think it's definitely interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it is fun to look back. You look back at some of the, even you go, you even go back further. You look at the mid 2000s classes on ESPN or two, four, seven sports. I think it's a combination of it being a little overhyped, a little overrated, but also how these guys develop in college. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at some of the opportunities that some of these people have. I feel like football more so, it's definitely a crapshoot just mm-hmm. because there's so many people. And by the time it's all said and done, people evolve in ways that you can't even look at how they were ranked in, in high school anymore. I did not recognize seven of the 10 names you, you listed. I definitely, I did know easily Elam mm-hmm. and Dyer. But if you look at those guys right now, easily is not even top three anything. No, no. Dyer, I don't even know if he made it to the NFL. I don't think he did. I think he transferred one too many times. And then all the other guys, yeah. <laughs> I, I was chuckling. I, I, you know, I don't know who yeah. Jeff Code is. Yeah, Ronald, pa- Ronald Powell, Jackson, Jeff Code. Who are they? Where are, where are they is the question. They might be in the CFL for all I know. But it's like, I don't know. I, like with today on National Sign of the ESPN was giving like minute-by-minute minute class rankings. Like, oh, USC got bumped up to seven because this guy recruited 20 minutes ago. Like, why are you doing this? These guys are probably most likely not going to pan out. Now, I understand it's like it's kind of fun to see like your favorite school get knocked up and down and whatever and based on whoever they get and, you know, the, the funny announcements that people make on TV like, the one kid today, he wore like three different shirts and like took them all off. And he was actually going to USC instead of like the Florida schools he was wearing. But I just don't understand why it's like such a big deal now when you know most of these guys just don't pan out. I think some people can make the argument that, oh, this is for looking at how they'll pan out of college. And certainly you have guys who were studs in college who then went on the NFL, maybe weren't the same, maybe they did translate. But if we're looking at, Jeff Code here. Yes. <laughs> I didn't hear about him at the college level. Who right. is this guy? Yeah, yeah, I, I have no idea. I have never heard of him. It's insane. Absolutely insane. And I'm tra- it is very different when you look at a basketball top 100. You can recognize nice. a good amount of the names, whether it was at the collegiate level or even the NBA level. Right. You definitely recognize a lot more of those names. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't I just don't know why why it's easier to predict basketball than it is football. I maybe it's just just how people develop in college, like you were saying. I think with basketball you kinda just know. And I feel like with football, it's just it's just a whole different game and it's just a whole different type of speed. Way too many players out on the field, way too many different variables can happen. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like with basketball, I feel like you can stick if you have the talent to play basketball, you can pretty much play against anyone. But if you're if you, you can have all the talent in the world to play football, but if you're not big enough, then the man across from you across on the line, you're done. Yeah, exactly. That's Somewhere, that. someplace, Jeff Coat, and I, I already forgot the, the Ro- first Ronald guy. Powell. Ronald <laughs> Powell. Ronald Powell. They're, they're having lunch. Enjoy themselves. <laughs> Talking about, about what could have been. Yeah, exactly. I finally found a number one overall recruit I recognize. 2014 Leonard Fournette. Do you know who number two is? Take, take a guess. Can I, I get a position? Him. Multiple positions. Oh, athlete. Yes. Uh, was it Jabril Peppers? Your bingo. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that Michigan got another Paramus Catholic kid? I, to anyone out there who doesn't know what Paramus Catholic is, it is basically a Michigan satellite school now in northern New Jersey. <laughs> so, 
And and then they're going to be sending their boys to, I forgot where, some exotic location to have spring camp. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. I forget where they have it. Jeez. <laughs> I hate Jim Harbaugh. Sorry. All right, let, let, let's move on. I'm going to get Kanye wrapped up. The Kanye West of college football. <laughs> he drinks milk with his Ruth Chris steak. <laughs> Where's Cleet with his khakis? Footage of him eating boogers. Man, I know way too much oh. about this man. Yeah, and he looks exactly like his dad. Like they just straight out cloned him. Oh yeah, where's the where's the glove to baseball game? Oh yeah, <laughs> still a child at heart. I see. So I'll give him I'll give him props for that. So enough of this football talk. There's another book that's out. Yes. Not attitude. Have you have you picked up attitude yet? Uh no, I have not. I have not either. I thought it was coming out in February, but I saw a few people on Instagram. I got a few Snapchats. Of people, I don't know if they got early access to Attitude, but they were taking pictures, selfies of them and Jay Wright's book. Definitely going to check that out. But ESPN had a, a little bit of a teaser on this new book by Dana O'Neill, who, side note on Dana O'Neill, she was at the Never Forget tribute when Villanova played Notre Dame. Hmm. When she takes notes, it's like a whole nother language. I was glancing <laughs> over at her notepad. She must have had the letter C. Like a hundred times, like she would just nod, and it would be like C C H C C S, and it was just like what? Jerry's oh. yeah. talking about the, the game plan and how Josh Hart did well. I'm just sitting there like, what does this mean? <laughs> Trying to translate. Oh, it's it's like uh, it's like what the the language the Egyptians used hieroglyphs. Yeah, wingdings. They know Neil's wingdings. But she. Released a new book titled Long Shots. I think when we talked about attitude, you were mentioning this book. Yeah, I had brought this up because I want it. I want it. How bad do you want it? I, I want it. I want, do I, dare I say I want it more than attitude? After reading the excerpts, I kind of want it more than attitude too. Yeah, I like Dana O'Neill's writing, and she's not a complete Nova basher on ESPN. So she actually likes Jay and the rest of us. So she's cool in my book. Before we hop on to this book. Now, you got to read some excerpts online. Mm-hmm. Do you see this book being taught in ACS class? Oh, come on. You have to put it in the curriculum now. Have to. Put it. Put that in the, in the attitude book in, and I think you actually might get everyone's attention in class. Yeah, honestly, if you had to tell people, would you rather read Long Shots or <laughs> Leviathan or <laughs> Homer's Odyssey versus Attitude, I think. I think you'd have the Villanova books, the Jay Wright books, over the other classics. Yeah, yeah. Oh, most definitely. Put it. I'm guessing it would fall under moderns then, not not exactly ancients. Yeah, you're right. It would be under moderns. It would be so, a moderns book, or even an English class, or even a business course. Who knows? Just, how about just every class? Yeah, have it have it just be a required reading for. <laughs> because the, the now you have the incoming freshmen who are applying now, the high school seniors who are applying. They might not know Villanova won a national championship, but now yeah. they'll be caught up to game speed and they'll be ready to go. Oh, yeah, and they can uh, just fit right in when uh, the games start and they go into the student section and, yeah, have a grand old time. So let's talk about the book. Oh, yeah. There were a few things that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. First of all, here's a quote from the excerpt, and this is in regards to how Villanova approached the Final Four in 2016, as opposed to the, how they did it in 2009. Quote, it was a far cry from the approach Wright had used seven years earlier when the Wildcats played in the Final Four in Detroit. Villanova practically hosted a party every day. 
Patrick Chambers, now the head coach at Penn State, was an assistant on staff then. He remembered pregame meals that seemed more like banquets with family members, friends, boosters, really anyone who wanted to come, joining the players to eat. Some people would often sit in, in team meetings. During a film session, Chambers recalled Wright chatting up Vice President Joe Biden on the phone. Crazy. Can you imagine this happening? Like, I, I can't. I just can't. Oof. Oh, God. No, I mean, now, no, but back then, yeah. As a f- lifelong Villanova fan, this does not come as a shock to me in the slightest because as w- when they beat Pittsburgh on that Scotty, shot, Scotty Reynolds shot, I mean, you that was like the peak. I feel like it couldn't have gotten any better, and I kind of felt with the way that team was constructed that it, it couldn't. So yeah, I, even as a fan, you kind of got the feeling that you were just happy to be there at the final four. And like, you know, you get the merch and, you know, on like all the promos, you get to see the Villanova logo and the Scotty Reynolds shot all over. And, you know, it was pretty cool, but you knew in your heart of hearts that they probably weren't going to beat UNC. I mean, that UNC team was probably one of the best constructed college basketball teams like ever. You had Ty Lawson, Tyler Hansborough and Wayne Ellington in the starting five. It was absolutely crazy. And, and I think, Ed Davis was on the bench. Like it was just absurd that type of team that Roy Williams was able to put together. But, you know, as a fan, you're thinking that, but you didn't think the team would actually think that. And I think subconsciously they did. And that's why they kind of went all out for the final four that year, you know, with the, like you said, with banquets and celebrity meetings in the, in the, during film sessions, it was, so I, I bet you their head wasn't in the right place and, it, and come game time, it truly wasn't. I think they had one of the worst shooting nights ever, especially from deep. I don't, I don't remember the exact stat line. It was, but they were horrendous. They made one little run halfway through the second half to cut it within like five. And that was, then they got blown out of the water. Yeah. I think it was definitely a learning moment for Jay Wright, who that was his first final four ever. Yeah. So I think the moment definitely got to a lot of people, especially after you get a buzzer beater win over Pitt like that. Right. I, I, I would be celebrating for the next five weeks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you just were kind of hoping it would happen later in the tournament, like it eventually did seven years later. But yeah, it, it kind of, I bet you it took a lot out of them emotionally. And it, it probably took them a while to settle down and realize, hey, we actually have a game coming up. We should probably focus. <laughs> I'm going to take everyone behind the curtain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a little surprised that, I mean, I, I'm i not surprised that it was definitely a big celebration and that the players didn't enjoy it and the family members were all in it. Family members sitting in on film film class. Yeah. Jay, uh, Jay Wright talking to Joe Biden during a meeting. <laughs> but the Wildcats, on game day, they actually go to a hotel, even even when they're playing at the pavilion. So... You know, a lot of people think like, oh, they're, you know, they just kind of hang out in their dorm. And I don't know if this was as a result of this change of mindset or just after this learning moment. But Jay Wright removes the team and they go to a hotel on game days or the night before games. So that way they're isolated. They're away from campus. They're not thinking about it. And then they take a bus to the pavilion and they play there. I find that a little surprising. Um, it's a little surprising, but I, I, I did not know that. But I absolutely love that. I kind of get like I know you're like you said they do it for the pavilion, but I can't, I feel like it kind of gives you the, the mentality that you're always on the road and you're gonna be you're not gonna be in the friendly confines of your dorm your entire season. So I guess getting them out and getting them in a hotel and just kind of isolating them from the world is actually not that bad from a basketball standpoint, anyway. Yeah, and you can definitely control where everyone is. You know, you don't have to worry about guys coming late or rolling out rolling out a Farley because they were taking a nap. 
Right. I do like it. I do like that, you know, it's this business first mindset. Mm -hmm. Dan O'Neill talked about that and that there was a huge shift in 2016 in Houston. You know, quote, it wasn't what they had come to Houston to do. For everyone else in the traveling party, the trip was a fun weekend. A celebratory finish to a great season. For Villanova, it was a business trip. Wright had all but sequestered his team in its hotel, avoiding as much of the hoopla as he could in and around the city. Other than practice, media obligations, and team dinners, the Wildcats essentially kept to themselves, end quote. And that's what you'd love to hear as a fan because, honestly, going into the Final Four last year, I was very concerned that they were going to take the whole 2009 approach and just be like, hey, we're happy to be here. We we joke about it all the time, but we always kind of felt that Jay is the type of coach that just gives out rings for everything. Like, oh, Big East regular season, here's a ring. <laughs> oh, you guys beat the number two team in the nation, here's a ring. Like, we kind of always joked about that, and, like, it was half serious, half not. But, I mean, we even had Jay said like, Jay even said a quote a few years ago, something along the lines of, like, the Big East tournament's, like, more important than the NCAA tournament. So, you don't really know where these teams, this team's priorities are sometimes. So it's just nice to see that they were actually all business. And I think after that first half against Oklahoma, you realized it. And then you're like, holy crap, this team might actually like do big, big things. And obviously they did. About that Big East tournament quote. I remember when that happened. Mm -hmm. I was sitting in the press room. Dylan Ennis comes out with the trophy. Him and Josh were talking about the big win over Xavier. And then Jay's like, yeah, you know, this is, our, this is our favorite tournament. I like this more than the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament is just a tournament to us. And I remember sitting there like, oh, I, don't, I don't know about that. I, I don't think it's just a right. tournament. Yeah. Uh, when you told me that, I just, I, it's just the most obvious facepalm quote he's ever said. I, I think I texted a lot of people about that, and I'm very <laughs> concerned about the state of this team going into March. And they, uh, they showed it. Uh, yeah, NC State says hello. And I was definitely nervous going into that Oklahoma game in the Final Four. I mean, we watched that Oklahoma game together, and we cried on the inside after everybody healed. Isaiah Cousins, Jordan Woodward, three. God, that was terrible. Yeah, but, and every three we took, that was just yeah. absolutely abysmal. Yeah. And when they just absolutely blew out Oklahoma like that, I think it was at that moment I finally believed, and I was not nervous. And I was mm -hmm. like, you know what? I think they are going to do something special. Yeah, there's always that moment in like a big run that like one of your favorite teams have that you realize you, that something's special. And it, yeah, I think the Oklahoma game was that. Yeah, I think when we beat Kansas, I was starting to believe a lot more. Oh, yeah. But, but I was definitely nervous because of what Oklahoma did to us right. earlier that season. Yeah, and like I said before, you, you kind of you don't know where this these teams this team's priorities were at the time. Like you could have been like, "All right, we beat Kansas. All right, that's it. It's over. We got the Final Four. Arch and Chef always wanted, and Jay's probably content with that." But no, he wasn't, and I'm glad he wasn't. And I think the early exits had something to do with that too. Yeah, I think it got their mind straight for sure. Now, Marcus Page had a little. Well, he had more than a little appearance in this book. Yeah, but. He said something that I've never really thought of. And I guess when you do lose, you know, when you lose, you, you think about things a lot more. You're very reflective. As opposed to winning, why would you think, well, you know, why would you sit around and think about things? I'm here to party. I'm here to enjoy the win. <laughs> but he said of the final buzzer beating shot, quote, when you're a kid growing up, you don't dream of missing the last second shot or you don't dream of a team beating you at the buzzer. You dream of having that moment, that confetti, seeing your family over there, crying tears of joy, 
hugging the guys that you gave blood, sweat, and tears with for four years. That's what you dream of. And we were close to that dream. End quote. I've never heard anyone talk about losing in that manner before, but I feel like that's the perfect way to summarize it. Yeah, it is. So that's a very sad quote. Like you didn't realize how much Marcus Page meant to that program until like I think of when it was all said and done because he was caught in the middle of the whole academic scandal and I mean he had a terrible senior year before the tournament. So like he was getting ridiculed because they, they he was kind of the scapegoat for the whole academic thing and like you know you you kind of felt like he deserved better but I mean and then when you hear that quote you, you realize how much how important it was to that to this kid yeah you know you definitely don't dream of losing at the last second or getting that championship drive you know i'm sure alabama didn't picture deshaun watson driving on their throats in the final minute and a half in the championship game like you just don't that's not what you dream of right yeah you dream of making the big stop at the goal line instead of allowing a walk-on to waltz into the end zone on you and and, or you dream of winning in overtime after your team actually picks up the trailing shooter and actually has a hand in his face as he pops a three for the national championship. I mean, you just, yeah, you just don't envision the worst case scenario and just, it just has to happen to somebody and just sucked for him. It was, it was him. Now I, I definitely need to look where I can buy this book. I'll probably get it online. That way I don't have to leave my house. <laughs> my I mean, Amazon's got to have something, right? Amazon's got to have it. I gotta, I gotta get it. We got to top it. Once again, it's long shots by Dana O'Neill, ESPN Zone. Mm-hmm. She is a, She was a beat reporter for Nova for a while. She might still be, honestly. Yeah, I remember. I don't remember where I read it, but I remember reading like a like an excerpt from one of her articles went or like mid two thousands when Jay was on the hot seat. It was right before they started getting good again. So I think it was the Oh three Oh four season. And like, things were looking pretty bleak. He had like some big recruiting classes. I know that Oh two Oh three class with Foy and Frazier was like the biggest one he had and they weren't panning out. And like his butt was on the hot seat. And I mean, I think O'Neill actually followed him around like, day in and day out and like wrote a whole thing on that but then obviously they changed it for the better but yeah she she has a connection with jay so i think that's kind of why she went along with this definitely gonna check it out in the meantime let's talk about a little recent or i guess a little more recent villanova basketball Mm. yesterday a nice game was played at the dunkin donuts arena villanova played the providence friars and they came out on top winning 66 to 57 chris what were your thoughts on the Wildcats' victory over the Providence Friars. You know, it was a lot, a little too close for comfort at the end. And, of course, I was freaking out and saying, of course, here we go again. And, of course, I have to root for a choking team. But, you know, Jalen Brunson said, uh, screw that. I'm doing this on my own. And he had a big steal at the end. And I thought that was uh, very impressive for a sophomore to do on top of a big night for him. 8 of 13 shooting, 21 points overall. I thought Josh had a pretty solid game, 6-15 for shooting for a total of 17 points. And I and obviously those two spearheaded the way. I didn't like how we played against Providence's zone. I felt like we were slow to adjust, at least in the beginning. I think we kind of figured it out toward the end. We have Eastman off the bench played great, and then everybody else was kind of poopy. Hey, if three of your seven guys played well and you still won by nine, I'll take it. Yeah, I thought Jalen was excellent, especially towards the end that Steal and score, and for the end one, mm-hmm. put it away for good. 
Josh Hart was great. In the beginning, I thought he cooled off a little bit in the second half. And then you had Chris Jenkins, who two for nine from long range. You never know what kind of Chris Jenkins you're going to get nowadays. I know. It's 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 actually very frustrating because you would think he he would – it would be just be good Chris Jenkins the entire way, but now you got to sprinkle in bad Chris Jenkins more so than you would think. Also, I I, I kind of skipped over him, and I, I don't know why, but Bridges played a great game too. Four or four shooting. I mean, he had he had that nice coast to coast layup. Uh, he he is just a he is a man child. Flying pterodactyl strikes yeah. again. I mean, he 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 played pretty well. Like I can't overlook him for that. I'm sorry. Dale Reynolds was quiet on the score again. No shots, <laughs> no free throws but had nine rebounds. I don't know what it is, but when he plays Providence, he, he knows how to grab them. And he does. I think last game at the dunk, he had double-digit rebounds, and he was just one short today. And Eastman did some great work on the offensive rebound category. Five five offensive boards. That, that is, that's, a, that's an awful lot. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty big time on the old boards, on the glass. It was a pretty close game all throughout, which is pretty much expected when you go to the dunk. I mean, Providence could be the worst team in the whole Division One, and for some reason when Jay Wright brings a team over to, to the dunk, it's a, it's a problem. But Alpha Diallo, who led Providence with 18 points, he was doing very well for them, but when he missed that front end of the one-and-one at the end, that was pretty much, that closed the gate on any kind of Providence comeback. And then you had Jalen with that swipe and steal for the score, and that pretty much solidified it. Yeah, that was the dagger, and I, I feel like yeah, that that missed free throw was that just sucked all air out of like the arena because you kind of had the feeling that the dunk was going to explode if they cut it to within one basket, and then he just misses the front end, and it, you guys you were able to escape with it. Next up for Villanova is a game against the St. John's Red Storm, who are five and six in the Big East, eleven and twelve overall. They're coming off of a big win over Marquette yesterday. The Wildcats will take them. On at the Wells Fargo Center, which I get it. I get, you know, they're, they're a big local team or, you know, they're nearby enough. Why, why do we play them at the Wells Fargo Center? Yeah, we play them an awful lot there. Did last year, and I know our sophomore year they did. I don't remember any other times in between that. But I guess you just got to get one of those games in there. So I guess it just happened to be St. John's. At least it's on a Saturday and not midweek. So give them that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give them that. And last time we went there to watch Villanova play St. John's, ice it was bowl. like two degrees. The ice bowl. Oh, yeah. Never never forget that day. And then it was negative about just before tip-off. Yep, and then the game stunk. How I didn't get sick is beyond me. Yeah, I don't know. Wearing gray uniforms in your first ever home game is number one. Genius. <laughs> Genius. And it wasn't even like a clean game for what I remember. No, it was, it no. Pretty, it was, it was kind of ugly. It was ugly and turnover filled, and it was a little too close for comfort at one point, I remember. And, uh, yeah, it's it was just bad. And thank God we have not seen the gray jerseys since. I hope we burn them. So St. John's looks a little bit different from that last time we saw them. And now they got that amazing freshman backcourt who Seth Davis says is the second best in the nation, right behind Kentucky's, which, I mean, I mean that's pretty that's pretty good, honestly. You know, it's like one of those things where it's like, well, if that guy's first, then we're in great shape. Yeah. That's a steep drop-off, though. <laughs> hey, Marcus Levette and Shamori Pons are both averaging around 17 points per game, which is pretty nice. Yeah, they're, they're great players, but it, it's, uh, Kentucky's a whole other animal. 
The Wildcats didn't play them that well when we went over to the Garden to play them earlier in the, in the season. What wow. do you see this time around? Uh, I, I see a pretty easy victory. I mean, hopefully they actually win a game coast to coast for once. And, and I, my heart rate needs to slow down a little bit during these games. So I would appreciate that from a health standpoint. And I can, I actually see it happening. I don't, I don't think they should struggle with this. And if they do, I would be slightly concerned going forward. Yeah. I think this should be an easy win for Villanova who will then have to prepare for the rivals after that. But that's a story for another time. Yeah. That's, that's for next week. So, Let's kind of look at what else is going on in the landscape of Villanova Athletics. This weekend, you got men's women's tennis. They're taking on Big Five rival Temple tomorrow. Then you got swimming versus Penn State in a dual meet. Mm-hmm. That'll also be tomorrow. Then you have women's basketball. They're taking back the court. They're going to take on the Creighton Blue Jays. Friday night at 7 p.m. You can catch the game on Fox Sports 2 if you're not there on the main line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this should be a good one, actually. Uh, Creighton got the best of Nova earlier in the season. Uh, I think it was right at the beginning of conference play. I think it might have been the first game. don't remember exactly. Uh, but since then, Villanova's kind of put it together, and we talked about it last time, but I mean, they lost to Georgetown, which was kind of a stunner, but I – as, as a whole, I think they've put it together. So let's see if uh, they can actually beat Creighton. This one will be at the Pavilion, so I think they have a pretty good shot. After that, you got men's and women's track on Saturday at the Villanova Invitational in Staten Island, New York. <laughs> Crazy. I still don't understand why the Villanova in- Invitational is in Staten Island, but hey, it is what it is. Couldn't tell you. But there's another big game this Sunday the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots playing in a game in a place that Villanova fans hold near and dear to their heart. Who would have ever thought that a city in Texas would have so much meaning to Wildcat fans around the world? NRG. Great place. Now that I think about it, NRG Stadium has seen a, a number of big games this year. Yeah, they have. I mean, you had both Final Fours. You have this game. What other one are you thinking of? Copa America. The Copa oh, America. Was there? Yeah, that was in NRG. Oh, geez. Man, they really get just – they get everything. When yeah, did they, this happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's been a big year for Houston. Oh, yeah. So who do you got in that Super Bowl final? Oh, this, see, I've been, I've been going back and forth on this a lot, mainly because it's, it's going against my – Promise I made to myself when I was in first grade, or was it second? 2001 Super Bowl. No, so second grade when the Patriots first won. So, so that was after 9-11. And me being a patriotic kid, I said to myself back in the early years of the Patriots dynasty that I'm going to root for the Patriots every time they're in the Super Bowl. And this was, and I was also not that big of a Packers fan at the time. I really couldn't fully grasp fandom at that point but i i understood what the patriots meant and what it meant for america i was able to understand that so little did i know that the patriots would be the most villainized team of the nfl many many years later so because of that promise i made to myself i'm going to go with the patriots 31 27 i have a guilty confession to make oh what is that i love the patriots i love tom brady so do i 
I don't. I want to say I love him, favorite. but I like him. I like Tom Brady so much. And you're a Giants fan too, which is I actually... know. I keep telling people this. They they hate us more than we hate them. Yeah. yeah. I I have literally not spoken to a Patriots fan who isn't bitter about the Giants. Now the Giants fans, we're not that bitter about the Patriots, but you, you know, you you ask our crosstown team, you ask any Jets fans, they'll they'll tell you otherwise. Uh-huh. But I'm going with the Patriots in this one. I'm looking forward to a great Super Bowl Sunday. Looking forward to the commercials. Looking forward to the experience. The first time not experiencing it at college for the first time in four years, so that'll be a little different. Yeah, it's going to be different. But I'm looking forward to a great Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. You're going to partake in any cool prop bets? I'm, I've been trying to conjure up a few. I mean, the big one for me always is the national anthem, the, the length of the national anthem. I always take the under. I, I think it's usually right. Yeah, it's, it has been the under in the last few years at least. Yeah. I am looking- partaking in one. My friend's supposed to come up with a big list. I don't know when that's supposed to come out, but I know the anthem. The anthem is like a pretty basic one. Mm-hmm. I remember last year we had a few crazy ones, like uh, like first player to make a tackle, and like we had like <laughs> A through like A through F, or and then the rest of the alphabet. I forget what it was we had, and we just split it down the middle and had odds set on that. My favorite one last year was who will dab first? Cam Newton. Oh, defense. <laughs> that's but right. Denver offense. That, that was a pretty good one. Yeah, so everyone got their money back. So if you, if anyone out there has any cool prop bet ideas, please tweet it at uh, vumatchpod.com. Please do. Please. Please please tweet at us. Tweet us anything. Tweet us anytime, honestly. Yeah. Do we have any mail for today? We do not. I closed <laughs> the mailbox because I wasn't sure how I was going to feel today. Oh, all right. Dude, I have one question for you then. All right. I, I guess we can take it as mail. Do, do you think that this team should fully go back to the 1985 retro jerseys? I love the retro jerseys. I love them a lot. I think they look great. I think they look f- fresh. I, I loved it when the first time they dished them out. I don't think – actually, no, I take that back. I think they lost to Providence at home wearing those jerseys. But other than that, they haven't lost wearing those jerseys. Right. So do you think they should go – you think it should be full-time? Yes. I agree. I wanted to go full-time just so I could get one. Uh, yeah, no. Honestly, I want to buy one. I, yeah, that that I remember when they first came out. I I was looking forward to them, and you can't buy them anywhere. No, they're freaking non-existent. Like you can't even get it on like a retro like jersey site. And usually those sites have everything. Now I'm not they usually can... a big home team. Like I, you know, I I usually like going for the colored jerseys. Yeah, me. But too. I think the white one looks so fresh. I think it looks a lot better than the blue ones. Oh yeah. It, yeah, the eighty-five ones. Anyway. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. The eighty-five white yeah. home jerseys yeah. look so good. Yeah, the current set blue. I'll give it the nod to the blue, but this, yeah, the eighty-five one's just so nice. Or at least the shorts. I like the, the old cat um, too. <laughs> just, just can, someone, can you just sell them, please? Like, I like shut up and take my money at this point. Like, you will make so much money off that, and you can maybe you can lower the tuition at that rate. Yeah, and then meanwhile, you can buy the ugly '90s jerseys. Those are those Ugh. are for sale. Those you can find. Yeah, yeah the red ones. Ugh. Disgusting. Well, good thing we've uh, woken up since then. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening and subscribing to State of the Nova Nation. Whether you do so on iTunes or on Podomatic, please check us out at viewbenchmom.com for all news and updates on all things Villanova sports. And also, follow us on the Twitter sphere at viewbenchmom. Tweet us anytime. Or you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at the Stansman on Twitter. And I may 
just see some of you at the St. John's game on Saturday. I might be making my third go back. Nova Nation, happy Thursday. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the Wells Fargo game because it's the last one of the year. So be sure to get all that last bit of tailgating in.